Mark chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 1. Several weeks ago, we framed out the whole atmosphere of the book of Mark, which is found in his introduction when he says simply, the beginning of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He doesn't just call it a story or an account, or I'm going to write to you what happened. He calls it the gospel. And that word gospel means good news. Not just good news, but it is a political term, which means this is some good news about the king. It's also an announcement term when the king came to the throne. So what he was saying when he looked at at what he was about to write is this is some news about the new king that's on the throne right now. But he calls it good news. And I want to look at some things to start off about some good news. As we look at the book of Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many were gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. When they could not come near to him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for the story of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the whole story from start to finish. And we thank you that that story is not over because Jesus Christ lives. We ask you to take full control of this service. I know that you have something to say to us. And we ask that that would be said very clearly and very plainly. And Father, touch hearts that there's something that needs to be done to make things right with you. We ask that we would make that very much clear. And that would be done before this day is over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Remember, as we're reading through the book of Mark, as we mentioned several weeks ago, one of Peter's disciples clearly states that Mark wrote down what Peter told him. So we're not looking from Mark's point of view on these events. We're looking from Peter's point of view. And we can just imagine Peter sitting there telling Mark about all these things. As he begins to remember these details, 
as he begins to, to mention uh, event after event that is getting more and more exciting. He looks at the detail of this. He says, Jesus came and he was teaching. And he was teaching that so many people came and they were in the house. There was not any room to receive them. Noah's not about the door. And he says, that made me excited because I can get excited about a big crowd. This looks really good here today. And I can see where Peter's getting really excited because he says, you're not going to believe it. Jesus just sat down to teach and people were just flocking in. And he's teaching away and all of a sudden stuff starts falling out of the ceiling. And a bed comes down. And a bed comes down, this poor guy that couldn't walk, they bring him to Jesus Christ. And Jesus looks at him and said, your sins are forgiven. Boy, did that ever make the Pharisees mad. And you know what? Jesus read the minds of the Pharisees. They didn't say a thing, but he looked at him and said, why are you thinking these things in your heart? And everybody else said, I don't know what they were thinking, but Jesus didn't like it. And so Jesus says, why are you thinking these things? What is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that I can do both of them. Get, get up and pick up your bed and go to your house. And says, the man got up, and, got up and walked out of the house. And it says, and all the people saw it and said, we never saw anything like that. Mark, you really should have been there. You really should have been there. And as we go through the whole rest of the book of Mark, you get this idea from event after event after event, you really should have been there. And you know the same way with every one of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As we look at the life of Christ, every one of them lists different things that happen, and they say something like this, people were so surprised you really should have been there. You see, Matthew starts all the way back with the teaching of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he lists a long sermon that Jesus preached. And he says, multitudes came to hear this sermon. And Jesus preached about sin. He preached about thoughts. He preached about worry. He preached about greed. He preached about anger. He preached about revenge. He preached about forgiveness. He preached about prayer. He really laid it out. And then Matthew says this, when Jesus ended his sayings, people were astonished at his teaching. And they said he taught as one having authority and not as the scribes, you really should have been there. Well, I'm telling you where you really should have been. A little bit later on, Jesus is teaching and the crowd comes and it's a huge crowd. It's one of the biggest crowds we've ever seen. And they just stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed. Jesus, Jesus preached all day long. And somebody had to tug on his coattail and say, Jesus, it's way past supper time and these people are staying to eat. And you're really going to have to cut it off and let these people go home and let them have time to get into town. And you know what he did? Jesus said, oh, no, no, we're not going to send them away. I'm just getting to the good stuff. You're going to give them something to eat. You're going to give them. He said, wait a minute, there's 12 of us here. There were thousands of people there. But you know, he told us to, to everybody sit down. And one kid came up, talking about a food truck. Here He comes up with just a few fish and a few pieces of bread. And we said... This isn't diddly squat. That's what they said in Southern language. But the Bible says, this, this, what are these among so many? Jesus said, give them to me. 
And Jesus starts breaking it all up and we just start passing it out and kept passing it out and kept passing it out. And we took up more than we started with. You really, really should have been there. Then, of course, he, he sends them away. After everybody's eaten and they're full, he sends them away and he goes up to the mountain to pray. And he sends us out to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And we were in the boat and this storm came up like you've never seen it before. You really should have been there. The guys in the boat that are fishermen, the guys in the boat are fishermen, they were scared. And when they get scared, I was scared. You see, Matthew was writing this in about the 14th chapter. And they were so scared. But let me tell you, nothing made us more scared than what we saw. They looked out there and saw somebody walking on the water. Yes, walking on the water. And he was coming right at us. Right at us. So we were terrified. And then it said, don't worry, guys. It's just me, Jesus. And Peter, of course, he couldn't believe it. And he said, if it's really you, let me come out onto the water. We couldn't believe that either. You should have been there. Jesus, Jesus said, all right, Peter, have it your way. Come on out. So Peter comes out and he steps out of the boat and steps up on the water. Yes, you really should have been there. He's standing on the water. And then you'll never guess what happened. He starts walking and he flubs it up. He goes down. I mean, he sinks. And he's reaching up. And hadn't been for Jesus, he'd have been a goner. But Jesus picks him up and then both of them walking to the boat on the water. You really, really should have been there. Luke picks up the story in chapter 4. He says, you'll never believe what we saw. We're going into town one day and there's a leper over there all by himself. Nobody's going to go near him. And he's shouting unclean and unclean. Jesus breaks off and he's walking toward the leper. And Jesus reaches out and touches the guy. Now, that's a big no-no. You don't touch the leper. He touches the guy. And the guy is healed just like that. You, you wouldn't believe it. You really should have been there. Then, a little bit later on, they met Jesus. There's a guy out of breath. He's out of breath because he has a friend of his, a servant that's dear to him just about ready to die. We notice this guy's a military man. He is a high-ranking official in the Roman army. And he says, Jesus, my servant's about ready to die, but you don't even have to come to his house. If you'll just say the word, I know that he can be healed. And Jesus just said, go back to the house. It's all going to be okay. And did you know he didn't, have to, he didn't have to go touch him? He didn't have to go to the house. All he had to do was say the word. He healed that guy long distance. I'm telling you, you really should have been there. And then we're going into Nain. We're going into Nain walking along a funeral procession. We're, we're going to be real polite. We're going to pull over for the funeral procession. That's the way you do when people come out of town. But it was a big crowd of us. We really couldn't all get off the road. And they really all couldn't get off the road. But Jesus didn't care. He stands right in the middle of the road. He's not pulling over. He's walking straight toward the casket. And he just reaches out and stops the casket. Paul Bears didn't really like that. They had their momentum going. They were on the way to the cemetery. And he stops the Paul Bears with the casket. It's a big open casket here. It's kind of a, a straw uh, wicker basket. And you know what Jesus does? He says, get out of there. You really should have been there. Get out of there. The guy sits up. He sits up and talks and Jesus takes him and gives him 
to his mother. You really should have been there. Oh, it gets better than this. John relates the fact where one of their dearest friends got sick. We're all out of town. We're out of town. We can't get there. Jesus, he just kind of stays around for a while. By the time we get back, Lazarus, one of his best friends, has been in the grave four days. Four days. We're not talking about just in the casket on the way to the tomb. We're talking about he is in the tomb. Jesus gets there and he says, hey, roll that stone away. And they all tried to explain to him, Jesus, this was a closed casket funeral. You're not going to get in there and see Lazarus. Besides, it's not a really good idea to roll the stone away. He said, take the stone away. And he doesn't go in. He just says, Lazarus, come back out here. I mean, you really should have been there. Lazarus walks out of the tomb. You really should have been there. And just a few days later, we're going into Jerusalem. The biggest crowd I've ever seen behind Jesus is coming with us. And we're going down the road. And the biggest crowd we've ever seen is coming to meet us. And everybody's shouting praises. They're waving palm branches. They're putting their clothes in the road. They're shouting Hosea to the Son of God, Hosanna to the Son of God. They're praising the Lord and he gets in there and the Pharisees, they wouldn't have any of it. And they said, Jesus, you need to quieten these people down. He says, I'm telling you, if these people don't sing praises, the rocks will cry out. You really should have been there. You should have been there because Jesus went into the temple, turned over the tables of the money changers, cleaned house in the temple. I'm telling you, it was something. You really should have been there. Later on that week, Jesus says, we're going to go to a special place that I know of and we're going to eat the Passover meal. And he sends some of us up to make things ready up there. And when we get up there, when we get up there, Jesus, of all people, washes our feet. Washes our feet. That's what slaves do. But obviously none of us were going to do it. And Jesus washes our feet. And then, after that, he gives us the Passover meal. And he serves it. But I'm going to tell you what he did. As he broke the bread, he said something. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. You really should have been there. It was so beautiful. And then he takes the cup and he passes it around. He says, this is my blood which is shed for you. You really should have been there to feel the beauty in that room. And then he talked about going to a place and going away and going away to prepare a beautiful place for us. And then he made the promise. He said, if he's going away, he's going to come back and come get us. You really should have been there. Those are the most beautiful words I believe I've ever, ever heard. But then we left there and went to the garden. We went to the garden to Gethsemane. And Jesus prayed. Oh, what I heard of it was pretty. But the next thing I know, Jesus was waking me up. I missed a lot of it. I missed a lot of it. And then Judas comes and, and kisses Jesus, and they, they take it away. They take him away, and they scourged him. 
and they crucified him. And there's where the tone changes. No longer do the Gospels say, you really should have been there. The Gospels say, we should have been there. But we weren't. Both Matthew, an eyewitness, and Mark, who wrote Peter's words, said this, all the disciples forsook him and fled. We really should have been there, but we weren't. When Jesus needed us the most, we bolted on him. We ignored him. We ran away. We left him all by himself. Peter, of course, relates the fact that it got even worse. When Jesus needed somebody to stand up for him, he denied him three times. And it says that he ran off into the night and wept bitterly. All of them forsook Jesus and fled. I don't know where they went. It just said they scattered and fled. Can you imagine how it was for those two days as they knew that Jesus had been laid in the tomb? Can you imagine how it was as they tried to come to grips with some of the most beautiful times they had ever spent with Jesus? Now they forsook him and fled, and it's over. And then there's the confusion on Sunday morning. But somehow, someway, they all found themselves together again. And let me read a passage of Scripture from John's point of view. Then the same day at evening, being at the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Can you imagine the change? They gather together in the upper room because they're scared silly from the Jews. They're coming after them. They've got the shame and the guilt. All of them forsook him and fled. And they know all of them forsook him and fled. And they're looking at each other. They don't know what to do with themselves. The guilt and the shame. And when it all gets about as uncomfortable as it could be, Jesus just walks in. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the relief? It's Jesus. The one that they had forsaken and the one that was dead. And now he's in there and says, this is an understatement. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You really should have been there. And not only that, he says, Peace be to you, and I'm going to send you to the world. And what he was saying is this, guys, it's okay between us. What a relief. It's okay between us. We let him down. We disappointed him. We did that which we said we'd never do. And Jesus forgave us and told us there's peace. You really, really should have been there. Then, of course, the disciples speak of the ascension. And before the ascension, Jesus gives them marching orders to go preach the gospel. Luke picks it up in the book of Acts, and he records what happened afterwards. The same men who forsook him and fled now boldly preached the gospel, even to the point of facing death, and some of them were killed, and they still preached the gospel. Thousands upon thousands believe. Thousands upon thousands find forgiveness in Jesus Christ and are ushered into the family of God, and now the tone changes from you really should have been there in that you really should be there, and you really can be there. 
You really should be in the family of God, and you really can be in the family of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that talks about praise be to the Lord who hath begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We celebrate the resurrection from Jesus from the dead, but much more than that, because He lives, we can live. And you can live too. It's not you really should have been there. You really can be there in the family of God. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 8. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead. Listen, watch it. You shall be saved. You really should be there. You really should be in the family of God. And you really can be in the family of God through the price that Jesus paid on the cross, and that's what we celebrate today. You see, when we celebrate Easter, it's not just a holiday to celebrate, it demands a response. Do we believe that Jesus lives or do we not? Do we believe Jesus says who he is or do we not? Are we going to follow him like the King and King of Lord of Lords or are we not? It's a time of decision. It's not really, you really should have been there, we really should be there in the family of God, in the service of God. As prepare for an invitational hymn, don't know where you are. But let me tell you, the disciples know there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The worst mistake you've ever made can be forgiven. And because Jesus died on the cross, did you catch what we said? This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. That price is for you. Don't miss the opportunity as we stand and say Number 153. Thank <laughs> you. 